Am I on? Can you hear me? Good. That wasn't me. Anyway. All right, one more announcement. This, um, I forgot to tell John this one. Sadly, Caroline Mandavinga, who used to fellowship here, passed away on the 7th of September. And we will be doing a funeral service here at KCC on the 6th of October. We'll give you further details after that, but just want to give that announcement before I brought the message today. To everyone else, good morning. Good morning. Let's pray. Gracious and merciful Father, we do thank you that we can come before you. Lord, this whole morning has been about you. Giving glory to God. Lifting worship to your holy name. And Lord, as we delve into your word today, I pray you would help your servant to deliver the words as you see fit. That you would help their hearts to receive what you want to speak to them about. And Lord, by all of these things, may you be glorified and your kingdom come. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. Amen. Have you ever received a gift that you didn't expect? A very extravagant gift. Early in my marriage to June, she surprised me one time with a gift I wasn't expecting. We were due to go all the way to Torquay. And at that time, I had an old clapped-out Vauxhall Cavalier. 1.3. 1.3. It was on its last legs and it was no way going to get to Torquay. But June, in her wisdom, hired me this beautiful blue Peugeot 406. Literally new. With all the mod comms. Had air conditioning. Now, back in the day, air conditioning was a luxury. It's a standard now. Electric seats. Again, a luxury. Wasn't standard when I got this car. And it pulled up, brother-in-law pulled it up, and I was just blown away. An extravagant gift. Wasn't expecting it, didn't know it was coming. But I was so blown away by it. We know that salvation is one of the many lavish, and various and generous gifts the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son pours out on us. But God provides a very significant gift to everyone, every moment of every day, and that is his grace. So today's message is titled, By His Grace Alone, and the key verses are Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 9. We'll step through them bit by bit. From verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us a life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point, us, point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. These two other verses I pray we focus on today. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So let's look at what is grace. The word grace in modern language is used to mean a number of things. And Merriam-Webster defines it as approval, favour, mercy, pardon, 
privilege and reprieve. It's also a title to address a duke, a duchess, or an archbishop, or maybe even a church elder. <laughs> Let me just throw that one in. The last one, which we'll probably be more familiar with. A short prayer before a meal giving thanks. We say grace. However, when grace is used in the context of God, it goes even further. The word grace appears 128 times in the ESV Bible. 10 times in the Old Testament and 118 in the New Testament, predominantly in the Apostles' letters and Paul's writings. Now, I was surprised by that. 10 times only in the Old Testament, but 118 in the New Testament. So we've got a stand-up church. New Testament is about believers. So why? Well, let's carry on. Strong's Bible Dictionary states in the Old Testament... Grace means this, favour, graciousness, pleasantness, kindness, beauty, charm, attractiveness, loveliness, affectionate regard, to act graciously or mercifully towards someone, and to be compassionate. But in the New Testament, it has a slightly different nuance. Unmerited favour, undeserved blessing, free gift. And then my last definition. Colin's Bible companion. His undeserved kindness to us in working his saving purposes in us. Grace is God's gift to humanity. Tony Evans summarizes God's grace as the inexhaustible supply of God's goodness given to us what we do not deserve, could never earn, and would never be able to repay. I think that sums it up quite nicely. My second point, who receives God's grace? Before I give my answers, show of hands, who who do we believe received God's grace? Everyone. Everyone. Does anyone disagree with that? Yeah. The pastor would say that. Anyway. Two types of grace. You've got common grace, is what my sister said about everyone gets that. It's God's gifts given to humanity regardless of their attitude towards him. That is the world we enjoy and live in. It's our abilities that we all have. And it's even our very own lives. All of that is common grace. And then there's God's saving grace. That's his assurance and promise to us of salvation if we believe in and accept his son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Zechariah 12, verse 10. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. This is Old Testament. God spoke through the prophet Zechariah that the saviour would come through the family of David and the spirit of grace will be poured out on many. The spirit of grace points to the Holy Spirit being poured out. God's grace is received through faith in Jesus, his son. Psalm 86 verse 5. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. I like John's prayer about we do have to ask 
I know I was talked about, we started to preach with a gift that I wasn't expecting. But some things you have to ask for. If you don't ask, you won't receive. God puts no limits on the number of times we can come to him for his grace and mercies. However, we must come to him with a repentant heart and humility to approach and ask for his help. I'd like us to reflect on this verse, Luke 23, verses 39 to 43. I'm just going to talk through it. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saying, saving yourself and us too, while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, if you know the context of those scriptures, before, both men on the cross, while Jesus was dying, ridiculed him. They both had a pop at him, for want of a better term. But something changes while they're hanging on the cross. And as you see in 39, one of them starts, some translations say he was blaspheming Jesus on the cross. He starts scoffing him. But the second one, something has changed. Something has changed, but what? We don't know. We don't know when it happened, how it happened, what changed it. But by the time, by this time he says, we deserve to die for our crimes. He's acknowledging his sin. He's acknowledging his crime. He's repenting, literally, on the cross. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now he's repented, he's forgiven his sins, and he acknowledges who Jesus is. Now, if he didn't believe Jesus was king, he wouldn't say kingdom. And he wouldn't believe that the next, where his soul is going, is where Jesus will be. And Jesus confirms it to him. I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Yeah? Even on the cross, Jesus is showing grace and mercy to someone who had just ridiculed him. Now, I know in my own heart, I may not be as gracious if I was in the same situation. And if you're honest, I don't think you would either. But Jesus is not us. Jesus continually showed gracious forgiveness with everyone he came across, even showing it at the cross to the criminal crucified with him and to the people who were crucifying him. Even the Romans he was showing grace to. Believe me, church, if Jesus had chosen to, he could have brought a legion of angels down, smited all of those Romans, took himself off the cross and gone about his business. But he didn't. Because he needed to die on a cross so that we might be here today, glorifying his name. Even those who persecuted or failed him are shown gracious forgiveness, as we see with Peter and Paul. One who betrayed him, one who persecuted him, but both transformed by his gracious forgiveness and abundant love. And after being transformed, look at Paul's example. When some of the churches he planted strayed from what he had taught them about Jesus. 
His concern was for them to be restored, not condemned, as others might do. Ephesians 1, verse 7 to 10. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. So why do we need God's grace? There's a story in the Bible, the Old Testament again, 2 Samuel 24. And it shows King David incorrectly wants to do a census, counting the number of people he had in his kingdom. His commander, Joab, thinks this is a bad idea, but he still obediently follows his orders. This angers God, and David feels convicted by his actions and repents. God gives him three choices for his punishment, with varying levels of severity. Isn't that good? Three levels of severity. I wish I had three levels of severity in my younger days. But there's normally one option for my punishments. But let, God gives David three options. Three years of famine. And for me, I would liken that to high security prison, solitary confinement. That is the harshest punishment you can get. Then we've got the three months fleeing his foes. I say that's low security. You've got privileges. And given that David was running for years from the king... I think that would have been a doddle for him, three months. But this last one, three days of pestilence, I see that like community service. Got off lightly, wrist slapped. If you continue to read that story, God does do three days of pestilence. And the angel of death is about to destroy Jerusalem. And God himself steps into the angel and says, stay your hand, no more. So even that, God is graciously showing his grace to David. How good, gracious and patient and merciful our God is in our, even our punishments. How many times do we see in the Bible God's people strayed away from his good grace, but he rescued them from their situations made by their own choices? God doesn't just speak, he acts. How many times do we do the same with God's grace towards us? Does he love us any less? No, No, never. He encourages us all the more to trust and stay with him. We may abandon him, but he never abandons us. Through his grace, he guides us both in his presence and his word. He yearns to reach out to us and gather us to himself. In the first exodus, God delivered his people from Egyptian oppression. The final exodus is with Jesus delivering people from the oppression of the enemy, sin and eternal death and will be completed on his return for us. We tend to rate or grade our sins in our favour, don't we? Don't we? Even if you don't admit it, I know it's true. That sin is not so bad. So, you know, when you're speeding, you're breaking the law. No, that's not so bad. Don't worry, don't worry. But that one is unforgivable. That guy that just cut me up that's unforgivable. I'm not having it. To God, sin is sin. End of. Praise God for his mercies towards us in spite of how far we may fall. Our response to others, sin and rebellion, is we want to smite them, punish them, deal with them as harshly as possible, Lord. 
You know what God's response to sin is? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's grace. That's God's grace. Romans 3, verse 23 to 24. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Sin was the consequences of man's actions. But grace was God's love, forgiveness and corrective action for the creation he dearly loved. Love because in our own power we could not save ourselves. Forgiveness because he restored a beautiful relationship between man and God. And then corrective action, repairing what was broken between us and averting God's righteous wrath from us. The enemy wants to keep us in bondage, separated from God's love. God's grace reconciles us, who were sinners, back into union with him. It is the undeserved favour of God towards sinners. By his grace he sets us free to live in freedom through him from the bondages of our sins and the punishment they bring on us. God knew we could not save ourselves so he sent Jesus to be our saviour. Not only providing freedom for us but also promises and an inheritance both undeserved and unmerited for us. His grace provides life-giving and life-changing power for a new life lived for him. Romans 5.17 For the sin of this one man Adam caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. The first Adam brought sin and death into the world. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, brought forgiveness, renewal, and freedom from sin and death. Restoration, justification, and redemption for all who would believe. A quote from the Spiritual Growth Basics U-Version Bible Plan by Tony Evans. God's grace cannot be earned, but it can be received only as a gift from him. God's grace is not obtained by keeping his law or rules church I'll say that one again God's grace is not obtained by keeping his law or his rules I keep stressing this in my preachers don't think that by you coming here on a Sunday you're going to get into heaven that's not going to get you into heaven don't think that every morning you get up and you pray to God that's going to get you into heaven it's not I can read the Bible from beginning to end every year and that won't get me into heaven the only thing that gets me into heaven is accepting his grace the gift from him and him alone Romans shows God's free gift of salvation and eternal life by grace can only be received through faith in Jesus his son this is a well known saying but this helps remind us all what grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a really good one to remember. We cannot earn God's grace, but we can enjoy, honour and share in God's grace. His grace removes barriers so we can draw intimately closer to God, healing our brokenness with his love. His grace accepts and receives us as we are. No ears, no grace is required. 
just our love and our faithfulness. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Words of Paul. God's grace is sufficient at all times. And we are all supplied with an abundant supply of grace from God for every situation. I remind you, church, an abundant supply of grace. When you think that God's forgotten you, he hasn't. His grace is even more at power, at working you. This is what Paul is trying to say. Many theologians are debating what was the thorn in his flesh. It doesn't matter what the thorn was. The important bit was that he submitted to God and trusted God that no matter what he was going through, God's grace was sufficient. And as John said earlier, there are going to be times, church, that you're going to go through and you're going to need that grace. You're going to need to know God's gracious, merciful hand in your situation. And you need to be trusting because if you don't, You may let go of his hand. He doesn't want to let go of yours, but you may let go of his. He empowers us through our weaknesses given to him. Again, it's our choice. God is active. We have to be active with him. God loves us in spite of our brokenness and our failings. And grace is God's loving and merciful embrace towards his children. Ezekiel 33 verse 11. As surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. Now, does that surprise you, that statement? God takes no pleasure in the death of wicked people. Now, God is a righteous God. And for me, when he wants to, um, sorry, when he just want to wipe out the wicked people and we have an easy life, wouldn't you want that church? I won't have to worry about a wicked person ever again. I just live with all you good guys. And all them bad guys are outside. But no, God is so gracious. He's even worried about those people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Turn. Turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? See, again, God is stressing to us. We have a choice. Right from the beginning, the angels had a choice. Read the Bible. Who fell first, man or angel? Angel. Even the angels had a choice. We were the second ones. You think we would have known better? We didn't. But God still sent Jesus his son. Didn't send Jesus for the angels. He sent Jesus for us. God's ultimate desire is to heal, reconcile and save us. God's righteousness demands he must judge all things and deal with all things. And his grace saves us from his righteous judgment and restores the image of God in our lives. His grace brings understanding of who God is, what he has done for us, and most importantly what he has saved us from through his saving grace. His grace awakens our heart to our sins and how much we need Jesus to cleanse our hearts from them. By his grace alone, we are justified. God makes us right with him. Pardoned from all our sin and guilt. 
we are sanctified, God in our lifetime is making us more like Jesus and holy. And then we're glorified. This is the, the thing to come. God makes us perfect and eternal to be with him on Jesus' return. His grace pursues us wherever we go. And don't we praise God that he does. And when he determines, overtakes and overwhelms us. It is for us to submit and receive his grace. No one is too big or small to receive his grace, which he extends to every generation. Grace shows God's heart towards humanity. His nature is to create and restore, not to destroy. Grace allows us to stop walking away from God and come back home to him. He delights in you, that you are his. We still need God's grace every day as we live in this fallen world and as we sometimes fall ourselves as a result. This is not an excuse to sin, but a challenge to continually keep receiving God's grace at all times. When we fall, Jesus does not desert us. He remains by our side to help us deal with what caused it and help overcome it. He is our advocate, not our accuser. So don't allow yourself to fall into self-condemnation. You will be forgiven, but must bear the consequences of your sins. The cycle of God's grace for believers. You need to admit your sin. Church, we live in a fallen world. And to a certain extent, we still have a fallen attitude. So we will sin. I know everyone's sitting down there shocked me saying that. But it's the truth. In this fallen world, in our fallen attitude that we still have, we will sin. So admit it. Don't live in denial. If you have sinned, just admit it. Say sorry to God. That's the next important step. You fall, say sorry. The next one is repent and turn away. All right, you fell down, you made the mistake, don't do it again. But receive God's grace and forgiveness. You still need to receive it. If you're still holding on to it, on how you're feeling, what wrong you did, you won't get past it. God can't give you what you won't let go of. Let go of it and let Christ do the rest. What should our response be to God's grace? Titus 3 verses 5 to 7. He saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Saviour. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Our response to God's grace should be gratitude and humility in accepting this free but very precious gift from God. God's grace is available to everyone. Gratitude helps us to grow in our appreciation of his grace. His grace is shown to us not because we deserved it, but because he chose and desired to. To receive his grace, we must admit we could not save ourselves, but are only saved by his grace alone. Although God's grace is given freely, we do have a responsibility to accept this precious gift. By his grace, we were dead to sin, now alive in Christ. We were lost and not found. And I always think of amazing grace when I hear that. 
Ransom and condemned, now redeemed and pardoned. Burdened and imprisoned, now free. Walked in darkness, now walking in his light. And we were once outsiders and now adopted as inheritors into God's blessings. While God's grace is free to those who would receive it, however it was costly to God, when God the Son stepped in for us to pay the cost, we could never repay with his very life. A couple of quotes from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I think I've pronounced that right. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again and again. The gift which must be asked for. The door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the, one, the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. Ye were bought at a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. I can't say much more than that on costly grace. We do need to appreciate what God has done for us through his grace. Grace is God's unmerited favour. And our gratitude towards his grace should motivate us to live a life pleasing to God. We are to grow in our understanding of grace and show grace towards others. We have to extend God's grace just as much as we need to constantly receive God's grace. James 4 verse 6. And he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We must be humble to receive more of God's grace. His grace increases in us when we submit and humble ourselves to God. And we need his grace minute by minute every day. Pride, arrogance and hate will hinder his grace. That may seem obvious, church, but we easily slip into those three things. We quite easily slip into it. As a leader, I think most leaders, even in a workplace or in a church... If you start believing in your own abilities rather than God's abilities through you, you're in trouble. Yeah. Arrogance. I think for a long time the Western world has been arrogant. This isn't going to happen to us. Do you know that Devon was flooded the other day? We're seeing stuff happening on this side of the pond that America has been experiencing, Asia has been experiencing, Russia has been experiencing. We've been saying, we're all right, we're in the West. Now we're getting all sorts. Arrogance. Don't fall into that trap. And then hate. That's one of the key things that will hold grace from you. Let go of hate. If anyone has that in their heart today, regardless of how it happened, who did it to you, what happened to you, let it go. God's grace wants to touch you. Hate only holds you back. 
God's grace shows he took the initiative to save us. And salvation was his work and plan alone from beginning to end. We can only live the Christian life by his grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Last scripture for today. Ephesians 1 verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Grace underscores the generosity of God's unfamable love. It is God's love in action on our behalf, freely giving us his favour and mercy. These are more his focus towards us for, and for me more powerful and motivating than his judgement and wrath. Because God has shown us forgiveness, we are able to forgive others. Because God has shown and filled us with his abundant grace, we are able to receive and show grace to others. Through experiencing God's grace, we become gracious to ourselves and those around us. We become grateful to God for all he does for us all. And we become godly because we're becoming more like Jesus and exhibiting the gifts, the various abundant, gracious gifts of God. He he freely chose to save us in love. He will not change his mind or take back the precious gift given at an immeasurable cost. Are you yet to accept this gift? Or have you already but desire more of his grace in your life? I urge you, cry out to God. He is willing and able to provide what you need. Amen. Amen. Heavenly and merciful Father, we thank you that your grace is more than enough. That your grace is always sufficient. And Lord, it it was a gift that we could never comprehend. A gift that we can't even imagine. But it is a glorious gift. It is a gift that by grace alone you made the plan. And by grace alone your son came for us. By grace alone, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The Spirit of grace is poured out on many. And Lord, for those who may not have encountered this precious gift, I pray you stir their heart today. Let them be open to you. As we heard earlier, it just takes them to let you in, to hear the knock on your particular door and their hearts can receive you. And for those of us, Lord Jesus, who walk in your grace already, we pray for more, Lord Jesus. Grace given to show more grace. Grace received to be given to another. Lord, help us be more gracious to one another. Not just in the church household, but in our family households, in our work, in our day-to-day things. Help us be more gracious. Help us remember the grace that was shown to the criminal at the cross. Help us remember the grace that was shown to Paul and Peter and the other apostles who fell. Help us remember the grace that is available to everyone if we will humble our hearts and receive what God wants us to have. Lord, have your way. Speak to your people. Speak to their hearts. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, church.